Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show from a chilly convention center all of a sudden. It's a nice little chill has gone over this place, Vinny, as everyone's pouring out. No love for the West Coast. Let me just put it like that. There's no love for the West Coast. We are the last of the Mohicans in here every night because we're on the West Coast. Gonna hear a funny story. I closed this place down by myself last night. I, I, I know. And <laughs> here's what's funny about that because it just reminds me of a story. When the Rams were in the Super Bowl in Atlanta, yeah. I was doing radio in Los Angeles. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So, of course. Right. And it was, you know. Late and it was cold out there in it that was, Atlanta oh, Super Bowl. I remember that. It was. We were it's staying cold. at Bankhead. That was a mistake, too. It's Saturday <laughs> night mm-hmm. before the Super Bowl. Right. All right. I had to do a um, – it, it was a 7 to 10 show back home. Or it might have been 4 to 7 in uh, California. Right. But it was 7 to 10 yeah. you know, back east. Yep. Right? So I'm literally the last one on Radio Row. I believe it. And not only that, but they had – It was Saturday, the so they start closing down. They, that's what. That's exactly where I'm going. Yep. And I never realized this <laughs> until that year. Okay. Because because you got to understand, um, and you know this, we're we're in we're in a convention center. Yeah. And guess what? After that convention's over, the Super Bowl, another one's coming in on yep. Monday. Yep. So they were literally breaking it down, like on his pallets being yeah, you know, yeah. uh, put up. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, you could just hear the workers doing it, and 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 then literally during my show. The whole place changed over into something. wow. I mean, it was it became barren. Yeah, I'm like wow, and I'm like the last me and the a producer. Yeah, <laughs> the board op. Wow, it was just me and him for uh, those three hours. But yeah, it, it it definitely puts things into perspective. And here we are, kind of like the last of the Mohicans here. <laughs> Um, because we're doing the West Coast show. There you go. No love for the West Coast, but we're going to make it do what it do. And how we're going to make it do what we do is Jordan Reed joins us now from ESPN and has been doing the draft and covering the draft for ESPN for a while and doing a fantastic job. And, Jordan, thanks so much for joining us here. We appreciate you. How you doing? It's good. I'm like a kid in the candy store right now. This is my time of the year, so I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on, as always. Absolutely, and I, I know that uh, every time we get to talk to you, you always get excited about the quarterbacks, being a former quarterback, so uh, obviously the Raiders need a quarterback, Yeah. right? There's a lot of questions about the quarterback position, so how do you kind of compare and contrast the, especially the top four guys? It's a really interesting situation, especially when you're talking about the Raiders. Somebody uh, or a team, I should say, that's been so successful, especially with the Derek Carr era, now moving on uh, from him after being a second-round pick in the 2014 draft. So he's been there so long. Yeah, um, It's going to be a little bit difficult for Raiders <laughs> fans to move on. So at the top, you'll see four guys talked about a lot. And I'll just start with Bryce Young of Alabama. Um, just the way he plays the game, his savvy, his awareness, his mentality, and then just the poise that he plays with. He has the same heartbeat no matter the moment in the game, but the one thing that he lacks is size. That's going to be the one thing that you hear about him a lot. We'll see what he does measuring at throughout the week. That's what everybody is going to be refreshing their phone to see what his exact measurables are. Um, After that, you have C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, a player that the best way that I can put it is that he's just like an ace pitcher on opening day. He's just so natural. He's so consistent. He can hit any area of the strike zone when he wants to. And then what he showed against Georgia, that was the great grand finale that he needed just because what everybody questioned about him was just, can he play off script? Can he play that sandlot football when he has to? Can he play outside of structure and make offensive coordinators right even when they call the wrong play? So 
he was able to do that against Georgia. He was terrific in that game. I thought that was by far the best game of his career. And then after that, you have the two project quarterbacks with Will Levis from Kentucky, a player that's probably going to be mocked very commonly um, or very particularly with the um, with the Raiders. So yeah. with him, he looked much better in 2021 as opposed to 2022, but he was battling a turf toe injury. He had some things going on with his shoulder as well. And then they had some coaching turnover at the offensive coordinator spot, and he lost his best receiver in Wanda Robinson. So there was some things that he had to battle through. That was one of the biggest reasons why he wasn't as successful mm-hmm. during his junior or during his senior season as opposed to his junior season. And then after that, you have Anthony Richardson from Florida, one of the more polarizing prospects yeah. of this entire draft class. What do you think, Vinny? Jordan, I want to get back to the quarterbacks in one second because <laughs> I got a couple of questions about Will and uh, Anthony. But we were hit with a bombshell uh, earlier today uh, with the Jalen Carter yeah. uh, news. And, and we're not just talking about anybody. We're talking about the prohibitive – top player in this draft outside of quarterbacks. And if the Bears hold on to that draft pick, that seemed to be the direction that they were going in. Uh, Now that's all up in the air. How much does this affect his draft status? Yeah, so I actually was on a plane coming into into Indianapolis, and we land, and my phone just starts going crazy. And I get the notification. I'm like, what is going on? So I I wasn't aware of the news before it actually Mm -hmm. happened, and then the bombshell dropped, as you mentioned. So I can't really speak on as far as his exact situation of where he's going to be drafted now. We just have to wait to see what happens with more of the details. But obviously it's a big situation when you're talking about what happened during that time and then what happened with the event. How much of a – I don't want to say red flag is that, but how much does that make teams kind of go back and reevaluate when something like this comes out? I I think some teams knew uh, as far as what – possibly could happen right. but you know we get things a little bit later yeah as as far as true. the media than yeah. when teams do and he got out of here immediately yeah when those things happen so I think some teams probably knew about it already um, but as far as him answering exactly what happened that day that's going to be what happened between him and then teams in that meeting but it's going to make them reevaluate some things about him just because you have to factor in the legal side of things now right as well as what happened with him as a player so Vinny said he wanted to get back to Will Levitt, so go for I it. I do. I do. And uh, Anthony Richardson. Uh, <laughs> I was – I didn't really – you know, covering an NFL team, you don't get a chance to watch a lot of college football. Um, I did see Florida at the Las Vegas Bowl at Allegiant Stadium, and obviously Anthony Richardson didn't play on that game. He had already declared for the NFL draft. But I was watching Florida going, man, he didn't really have much to work with because yeah. that didn't – that team didn't look that good, especially in that game. So when you look at Anthony Richardson and, and you look at some of the, you know, the numbers that aren't all that great, how much it, of it was him, but how much of it also was maybe he wasn't working with a whole bunch of great talent there? So his evaluation, I could talk about all day long yeah. just because there's so many different layers to it. And I'll go all the way back to last year. So last year he rotated time mm-hmm. with Emory Jones, right. who was a player. I think he ended up going on to Cincinnati this past season and – there were some situations of where in game they didn't even know who was going to take the next series right. as far as the snaps. So I think just putting myself in his shoes is really difficult yeah. to play well in games like that just because you don't even know if you're going to be out there for that series. So I don't even count his sophomore mm-hmm. season as far as him being a starter. So this past season was really what I call his first year as a starter. And then you see the Utah game, you're like, man, this dude looks like the number one <laughs> overall pick. And right. then you watch him in the Kentucky game and then some other games like Florida State, and you're like, he's just really right. inconsistent. But I think the thing we have to find out about Anthony is that why did they restrict him so much as far as the offense? So what they ran, not to get too technical, they did a lot of play action stuff with them where they would have the running back behind them and they would play action with the running back coming down. And then also they would run some boots as far as faking to his left and coming back right. They very rarely let him just straight drop back and pass. So 
there's some layers that we have to figure out about him. And then why was he so inconsistent as a passer? And just watching his tape, he's very nuanced and detailed. As far as playing the position, he's very clean with going through progressions. He can find guys, and he's very decisive. But you don't know how the ball is going to come out of his hand. You don't know if it's going to hit the first row of the bleachers or if it's going to be accurate. So I think with him, it's more so a footwork thing. It's right. not necessarily him not being able to read coverages mm-hmm. or not understanding what's going on in front of him. I just think he needs more time to figure out what's happening from a footwork standpoint. Now, I go to this. The tricky part about his evaluation is that everybody wants to use the Patrick Mahomes blueprint of him sitting behind Alex Smith and then being going on to being a finished product. With Anthony, the only way for him to work out these kinks is for him to play in games. So that's the tricky part about his evaluation. You just mentioned where exactly where I was going <laughs> to go with that because to me, he seems like a guy. This guy's got 13 starts in yeah. college football. That's nothing. Yeah. If you gave him another 13 starts next year, let's just say, obviously that's not going to happen. But to me, I look at him. I'm like, give him 13 more games. He might be. We might be talking about him as legitimately the top quarterback in the draft. Or it could go the complete opposite direction. So I guess that's the tricky part of him. It is. And everybody called me crazy Um, back in October when my first quarterback rankings came out. I had him as the third quarterback behind C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young ahead of Hendon Hooker when he was going on his Heisman Trail before the torn ACL. And everybody was like, man, what do you see in this guy? He's just inconsistent. But like you said, I think the tricky part of his evaluation is that do we put him on the field and risk him being a disaster? Or are we going to let him – now, go through those bumps and bruises for him to be in a final product. But I say this about Anthony. I think he can step on the NFL field right now and mm-hmm. be what Justin Fields was from a running standpoint right now. Right, Just right. because he has that athleticism, you can use him as a plus one in the run game. Yeah. You can do those quarterback design runs. But also, like we've seen from some of these other y- younger quarterbacks coming into the league, you can use your running ability as a crutch while that mental side mm-hmm. of the game develops for you. Yeah. We saw it with Kyler Murray. We saw it with Joe Burrow. We saw it with Justin Herbert. And we saw it last year with right. Justin Fields. You have to be able to be mobile in today's day and age. But how does he develop that mental side of the game psychologically? Is he able to do that while, uh, while, that, while that part of his game catches up to the athleticism? Right. Jordan Reed is our guest here from ESPN talking all things NFL draft on Radio Nation Radio 920 and SA Roughness. So uh, I've teased it a couple times. That leaves us Will Levis, right? You said that he's going to be mocked to the Raiders multiple times. And I'll tell you this, Raider Nation loves Will Levis. I I mentioned that I didn't think he was a a great fit because it was going to take some time for him to learn. And... They came after me like that, like I was talking about Beyonce or something, right? I mean, it was like the Beehive the came after me. Yeah, it was crazy. But what do you think about Will Levis? What do you think about the fit with the Raiders and, and Josh McDaniels? So every year there's a quarterback that turns into what I like to call a punching bag. And with the media, with certain fans, they get used to seeing certain guys mock to their team. Mm-hmm. And depending on how some guys feel about them, they just develop or they what I like to call an anchor on a prospect they don't really see the other side of him so you see Will Levis 23 turnovers over the past two years doesn't look as good as the senior season compared to his junior season and then just the bad turnovers in certain moments so with Will Levis he's another that you just have to trust to take with what you see from 2021 and trust your coaching to get that player out of that guy so with him He's very similar to Anthony Richardson as far as being a project. A little bit older, I think Will is going to be 24 going into his rookie season compared to Anthony, who's going to be 21. But you just have to trust your coaching to bring out that junior year form of him. But just talking to people on the coaching staff there, they rave about his leadership. They said he's super tough, battling through turf toe, which in seasons, (laughs) turf toe is a very devastating injury. And then also some things that were going on with his throwing shoulder too. So 
the toughness, the leadership, and then just trusting that you can get 2021 Will Levis out of him. Well, speaking of 2021 Will Levis, Liam Cohn, his offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. goes to the Rams from Kentucky to the Rams. He lost multiple offensive linemen. Yeah. And I think some skill players as well. Yeah, he did. Um, I think of Jordan Love a little bit mm-hmm. when uh, his his junior and senior year at Utah State where it was, which Jordan Love are you getting? But then you dig in a little bit deeper and you realize he lost all of his weapons. Yeah. I think four of his offensive linemen got changed over. Right? So you have to take that into account, right? Yeah, yeah, you have to. And that's why I said, like, they may seem like excuses, but we're just listing things mm-hmm. when we're evaluating his senior year just because that's a big or a lot of turnover for him to deal with, not only injuries, but we're talking about personnel standpoint and then also losing two key contributors up front that went on to play a key part in their NFL days right. too. And being a former quarterback, the best way that I can put it as far as trying to learn a new offense, it's like learning a new language. Right. And that's very hard on a guy in 365 days. It's interesting. It really is. Like I said, it's 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 like I don't know. There's so many different flavors of Kool-Aid out there, right? I mean, yeah. it just seems like there's so many uh, different quarterbacks to choose from. How about Hendon Hooker? You mentioned yeah. him. Uh, he tore his ACL. I thought he was going to be a Heisman finalist until he did that. Uh, what do you think about him as a guy who obviously is not going to start right away, but at some point could be a, a good player in the league? Yeah, so I actually was at the game against South Carolina oh. when he went down yeah. with the injury. But just seeing him throw in pregame and then throughout the season, he has A-plus character. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to meet a better overall person mm-hmm. than Hendon Hooker. Everybody from the coaching staff to in the locker room, they rave about his character, his background. Dad was a former successful quarterback at North Carolina A&T. He's in the Hall of Fame there. So he has the quarterback genes that you love to see at the position. But just from an on-the-field standpoint, I think he's very smooth as far as a thrower. He's an underrated runner. Um, And then just being able to read, see, and react, he's able to do that very efficiently. But – the biggest adjustment or the biggest hurdle that he's going to have to deal with is being outside of that Tennessee offense just because it creates space Mm -hmm. a lot. You guys have watched Tennessee this year. They're really good at creating space and taking vertical shots down the field. So it was unfortunate that we weren't able to see him in the Senior Bowl just because that was one of the first opportunities of where we were going to be able to see him operate an NFL style of offense. Can he go through progressions? When teams take away those deep balls, can he go through one, two, three? Can he read left to right, right to left, little things like that? Uh, when you talk about the Raiders, obviously there's a need at quarterback. We all get that. But there's also a big need on defense. They need help at all levels of their defense. Uh, but when it comes to that seventh pick, if they don't go quarterback, uh, there's a, I, we were just talking about all those defensive linemen and linebackers. There's mm-hmm. some studs out there this year. Yeah. Um, Tyree Wilson from Texas yeah. Tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it feels like that's an area where he might land. Um, talk about uh, Tyree and what he might mean. Yeah. Team like the Raiders. So you might have seen me smile big from year <laughs> to year when talking about Tyree. So when our summer rankings came out this year, I had Tyree as a top five player, and yeah. everybody was like, man, who is this dude? From the Big 12, by the yeah, way. from the Big 12. So <laughs> I like what in. you're doing, though. He, projector. You yeah. project. So just watching this tape yeah. from the summer, coming over from Texas A&M, his first year at Texas Tech, you saw what I like to call a lot of almost plays. Right, a lot of right. almost sacks. He's getting there. He's not finishing plays. He just needed to get stronger. And then you look at his bio, he's six foot six, two hundred and seventy five pounds with an eighty six and a half inch wingspan, which is monstrous. And so I got an opportunity to see Tyree against NC State. It was like a he was in a costume. That's the best way that I could put <laughs> yeah. it. Like it this just did not look like a normal right. person. Like humans aren't supposed to be this big. And then he goes out and he gets two and a half sacks in that game. And you're seeing him play. He's playing head up nose over the center. He's playing three technique. He's playing five. And oh yeah, he's dropping in covers the right. next play. 
So he's showing and he's wearing all these different hats while showing his versatility. I'm like, oh, yeah, this dude is a future top 10 pick. And this is back. I think that game was in like September or October. So just seeing him up close, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm putting my stamp of approval on this guy. So now seeing him projected inside of the top five to top 10 picks, that's not surprising at all. Yeah, see, that's my thing. I don't know if he's going to be there at seven. Yeah, It feels like he's going to go like as high as three or maybe even higher, especially depending on how this Jalen Carter situation shakes out. Yeah, uh, you know. No doubt about it. When you look at those arms today, I'm like, man, yeah. holy Incredible. cow. But then you just watch the tape as Do well. Do you have an under-the-radar guy? that you know we're not talking about right now but maybe after this week here at the combine and they do the drill someone goes through the drills that we should be talking about so i'll stick to the raiders position of need um and i'm gonna go to cornerback um terrell smith from minnesota i think he's one that's gonna make a really big name for himself this week and i saw him at the east west shrine game out in las vegas i thought he was one of the best players there without question and he's probably gonna go in like the fourth or the fifth round if i had to guess right now but he's probably gonna run into four threes he's gonna jump jump probably 37 plus in the vertical and he's gonna explode out of the broad jump too so if you're looking for an early day three cornerback that could explode into the scene keep an eye on Terrell Smith from Minnesota Tariq Woolen was a a round five guy yeah worked out okay no doubt about it I'm gonna throw a name at you um and I I was put on by this guy from uh, somebody it was probably like in November and just keep an eye on this guy Jack Campbell from Iowa and I'm just like after watching it and following him and then talking to him today um, I think somebody's going to get themselves a hell of a football player. Yeah, and it might be cliche, but he's just a football player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he has, the best way I can put it, he has a GPS locator, a GPS tracker on the football. Right. He just has a nose for the ball. Being in that system, you just know they produce really good football players, too, especially at that linebacker position. So I think he probably could go, like, third round. Mm-hmm. I think that's a sweet spot for him right now, but I think he could be a day-one starter. Let me ask you about this linebacker, because and these guys always intrigue me, and I feel like that they're 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 a little special story. Uh, uh, Andre Carter, linebacker yeah. out of Army, right? I mean, got so much respect for the armed forces and what they do for us, uh, and it takes a lot of sacrifice to be in the Army. Obviously, what do you see from Andre? So he's another player that I got to see live when I go and do throughout. So I, throughout the year, you keep you keep hearing me saying that I see players throughout the year. So throughout the year. I go and scout these players at yeah. certain games. It's called you live stay scouting. stay busy. I like it. it. It's, called, it's called live <laughs> scouting. So I got to see him play against Wake Forest. And it's just funny how we see players so differently. And I just use my coaching background to, you know, scout some of these qualities about the players. So they go down 21 nothing in the first quarter. But you still see him coming off of the edge really, really hard. And that shows me a lot as far as how much he loves the game, right. how much character he has about the game, and how much he respects the game, too. Now, he's a little bit of a projection. He's really skinny right now, mm-hmm. about six foot six, 250 pounds. But you have to keep in mind the school that he's at, the right. military training. He's not able to pack on the weight right now. So once he gets into an NFL strength and conditioning program, he's able to pack on the weight. You already know from day one he can be a really good pass rusher for you. So – Early on, probably those first two years while he's developing, he's probably going to have to be what's called a DPR, just a designated pass rusher, where he comes in on third down and you just allow him. Let's line up opposite of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Just let him go. Let's see what happens with that. So that wouldn't be surprising at all if he comes in and, you know, he has low sack numbers early on, but as he packs on weight and he gets in a strength and conditioning program where he's not doing a bunch of military training throughout the week, I think he could be a successful player. Jordan Reed is our guest here from ESPN on Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. Go ahead, Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I could keep you here for days. (laughs) I know. Because I'm going to throw another name out. So intriguing. Another guy I fell in love with, Ivan Pace from Cincinnati. Yeah. Junkyard dog. Yeah. That's the best way to describe (laughs) him. Junkyard dog. He's one of those dudes that – he sets the tone of the defense no matter where he's lined up. Very physical, has a nose for the ball, 
And I think he said it today. I just like running through people. You, you love <laughs> hearing that. that, especially with a linebacker. Yeah. Just because part of that position is mental instincts, but you want physical guys too. And I think that's something that's really lacking with the Raiders' defense of where you want somebody to set the tone. Where do you feel like he's going to – I I had him mocked, I think, the fourth round or that's so. That's the sweet spot for him. Yeah. I think that's the sweet spot for him. I think he's going to test really good. So third round wouldn't surprise me. And I think from day one he's going to have – he's going to be a core cool four player on special teams. He could play every single special teams play area for you. And then he starts getting some of those back end reps. But as the year goes along during his rookie year, it wouldn't surprise me if he turned into a starter. We were talking to Dave Ziegler, and he mentioned this tight end group um, yeah. as, as one of the better yeah. ones that he's seen in a long time. Obviously, the Michael Mayers, you know, jump yep. out at you. He's just a freak uh, himself. Anybody else, uh, maybe even beyond that first round uh, that you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State. He's one. He was a bit banged up this past season, but I think he could go second or third round. And if you're looking, Darnell Washington obviously is one that – is going to come in and be a big-time contributor, excuse me, as well. But if you're looking for a day-three name that could be a bit of a sleeper, Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion. Okay. Um, he's about six They've got some players at yeah, Old Dominion. They do. <laughs> they do. Uh, he's about six foot seven, 260 pounds. He can end-line block. Um, he can run routes as well. So if you're looking for a late-round late sleeper, he definitely could be one. Final question for you is about uh, Georgia defensive lineman Nolan Smith. Yeah. We had an opportunity to talk to him earlier today, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, just hearing him talk, it, you talked about you know how the guys love the game. He just sounds like a guy who loves the game. What are your thoughts on him? like him a lot, and you talked to a year ago when you talked to all those players that went in the first round. The first player that they said who was the leader of the defense was Nolan Smith, which mm-hmm. says a lot, especially with the talent that's come from that Georgia defense. And he's a player that is a little bit undersized. Right. Um, it's unfortunate that happened with him with the peck injury just because he was so crucial to that defense. But they still took care of business right. throughout the year and won the national title game. But another player that's going to come in and be an instant impact type of contributor as far as a pass rusher. But one of the underrated parts about him is just his run defense. He's very physical. He can set the edge, but also he can drop in covers too. So it wouldn't surprise me if he still goes in the top 40, mm-hmm. depending on what happens with the medicals with the peck, which we won't have any opinion on just because we don't have the medicals. But right. I still think he goes top 40. Tell you what, man, just hearing him. You know, he, he had everybody pumped up. Yeah. Man. Just, he, he, was, he, he was a good dude to listen to. So uh, I think I needed that early in the morning to get my day <laughs> going. Well, Jordan, uh, fantastic stuff, man. Like Vinny said, we could be here uh, all <laughs> afternoon talking with you. Uh, what do you got? You got anything coming out that we need to be on the lookout you got another draft mock draft dropping soon or what you so got so we have our combine preview coming out tomorrow okay. where we go through each position and we talk about some of the players that we expect to test really well um some players that we're looking forward to seeing as well my next mock draft doesn't come out until march 30th i think okay. that's the date it comes out so the end of this month so be on the lookout for that there he goes jordan reed Many thanks to Jordan for giving us some time this afternoon. And, of course, uh, lots of great NFL draft nuggets right there. My man just talked. Uh, he just he broke it down, Vinny. He just broke it down. That's why I said we could be here for uh, all, all day and then tomorrow, too, right. uh, talking about this. Um, and you just feel the uh, sense of the draft yep. being here. You know, the next wave right. of, of great players. Look, there's going to be some Hall of Famers that probably – well, yeah, you know what I'm saying? yeah, we don't know who they are, right? But there's definitely some that are going to come out of you know the, the the draft, and probably they're probably here at the combine because there's over 300 players there, right? Uh, exactly, and um, you know I know that this time of year for teams, you know, and fan bases, this is about hope, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that hope being that your the, the leaders of your organization are making good decisions and good sound decisions because a good draft. Boy, I'll tell you what, whether you're a good team or a team that's, you know, trying to get back um, or a team that like the Raiders that, that I feel is pretty good offensively and, and has the potential to be really good offensively, but needs to definitely retool 
defensively. Um, if you can, if you can hit on this time of year, you put yourself in a really good position come September. You know, the thing about it is, one really good draft can turn things around for you. I mean, you look at the Jets; they had one killer draft, and I know they had multiple first-round picks, but they had one killer draft last year. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone thinks that they're you know a Super Bowl contender if they get a quarterback, yep. right? And whoever that quarterback ends up being, uh, you know, that's why they're trying to go hot and heavy after Aaron Rodgers, and they'll probably settle for Carr and or Jimmy G or whoever the, you know whoever. Uh, becomes available, but they believe they're in win-now mode because, well, they were able to turn everything around by one draft. Look at the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. yep. They had five, six maybe Yep. Uh, rookie starters, including mm-hmm. your guy, Yep. Uh, over at cornerback, running back, 2D. Two, I think there's both their starting tackles right. were rookies. They were. They you were. Know? And how many times have they done that? I mean, even when they had the Legion of Boom, when they had, you know, when they were led by Russell Wilson, I mean, all those teams were really built through the draft. They had a couple free agents, obviously, Marshawn Lynch, they made the big trade right. for, but for the most part, they built everything through the draft. Speaking of the draft, I mentioned uh, to Jordan. Nolan Smith, the Georgia de- defensive lineman, he talked about the pec injury. I talked about the inspiration that he was when we got to hear from him earlier this morning. And I'm telling you right now, he had everyone's attention. It was yeah. really good stuff. And so we're going to uh, let you hear from him. We're going to do it next. Again, we're here at the Indiana Convention Center. This is the Scouting Combine 2023. And we're being brought to you by Boyd Gaming, the official locals casino of the Las Vegas Raiders. 329 is the time. When we come back, Nolan Smith, you'll hear from him. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Our coverage of the 2023 Scouting Combine in Indianapolis is brought to you by Boyd Gaming, the official locals casinos of the Las Vegas Raiders. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Back here at the Indiana Convention Center, Scouting Combine 2023. This is Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Team building begins here at the Scouting Combine. I know that the league year doesn't start till March 15th, but to me, Vinny, it really feels like it starts right here at the Combine. Of course. And, you know, this is, you know, talking to Champ Kelly uh, earlier, this is their time to shine. Yep. You know, this is, this is like, we know this, and I think most fans understand it, but, you know, not everybody understands it. The amount of work that goes into a draft. Yep. And we're talking about going all the way back to training camp, Okay, that's when your scouts get their marching orders mm-hmm. on, and they, they, they go all across the country. You know, you have scouts that obviously have the West Coast and, you know, the Midwest, the Northwest, the Northeast, um, all across the board, and they're just drilling and drilling and drilling day after day after day. All those scouts don't come home right. for a long period of time because they're out there at practices, on college campuses, at college games, uh, doing what they need to do uh, to, to put the organization in a great place to then start really evaluating, and now you know the coaching staff gets a part of it. So this is something that's been going on for over a year at this point, and um, the decisions that they make over these next two months, and especially on draft weekend, uh, will go a long way toward deciding how quickly the Raiders could get this thing right back on the right track. No doubt. And those scouts, when they're on the road, they're definitely uh, in the SEC. They're yeah. checking out all the talent in the SEC. And if you're doing that, you're checking out the talent at Georgia. And we right. saw Dave Ziegler go and get Zamir White last year uh, out of out of Georgia. And I know he didn't get a lot of burn, but I believe that he's a guy that could be a player. 
right? I think he's got a little something, something to him. Uh, but Josh Jacobs just didn't let him get on the field right. too much uh, in 2022. But I like what Zamir White brings to the table. Another Georgia guy, and of course they have plenty of them that are going to be in the draft, was Nolan Smith. He's a guy that we had an opportunity to hear from earlier today. It was really exciting. I mean, we got a good chunk of, of time with him. But, man, it was really could have had a whole lot more. But uh, here was what Nolan Smith had to say at the podium earlier this morning. And they're starting off talking about why he chose to return to school as opposed to leaving like others have chosen to do. What made you stick around? What What was the reason, especially in this era with the transfer portal and everything else? What, yeah, I just answered that question, man. Sorry. It's, no, you're okay. Yeah. I'll say it again. You know, kids need to hear this. Like, stick it like stick it out just because things get tough don't run away from things like in life if when things get tough you're gonna quit on your wife you're gonna quit on your kids you're gonna transfer on your wife and kids when things get tough what if you if you marry your wife for 10 years and she get cancer you just gonna get up and leave that's how i think about it man you be a man of character no matter what you do and that's how my mom raised me one of your teammates tresman marshall just transferred to alabama what was your reaction to that yeah i know certain times you know god's been in the program for a long time and you know he's been in there for four years and he got his degree and you know he only has one more year I feel like he did it the right way you know he talked to coach smart and he said coach smart you know if I have other opportunities at other places would you let me go and they said of course and we want you to play because you know we got new young players coming in as well and I just feel like you it's a certain way that you do things and that's what I learned at Georgia's you certain way you do everything what did he bring to your team as a player Man, that was my dog. That was my roommate. Me, Tresman, and the Kobe. You talking to the wrong person about Tresman, man. That's my guy, man. So, you know, what he brought to the team, a lot of guys think just because you're not playing, like, we're never a cancer. You never want to have a cancer on the team, and he wasn't that. He brought a lot of good things to the team, and we all bring energy and juice every day. Like, when I wasn't playing, I understood my role. And if you understand your role at our program, you're going to do amazing. You mentioned Nakobe grooming with him. Have you learned anything from him going through the draft process a year before you? Uh, no, I, I really didn't. I, I called him and asked a couple questions. You know, Nakobe um, helps me out a lot. That's my guy. That's my middle linebacker. Um, we see eye to eye on a lot of things because we made a lot of the same calls in the box, man. We were saying tight right and stuff. You literally yelling it together, empty checks. We yelling at the same time together, and that's the type of connection that we had. Just as linebackers, me, him, and Quay, man, it was fun. Even Trayvon, you know, I love playing with those guys, and I'm gonna miss it. I promise you. Um, you know, after the natty, I didn't, I didn't go home. You know, and this is the first time I'm talking about it, you know, that's my, that's my guy. You know, and that's one person that never did anything wrong, and I got sensitive in Cincinnati. I get sensitive talking about it just because I love him, and um, he never did anything wrong in his three years. He was supposed to graduate. Most people don't know his his brother passed like that, and I'm just, I'm sorry to his family. No one should, no one should live like that. You know, no one should deserve to die like that. He never did wrong. I'm sorry for my language, he never did anything wrong. Three years in a row, that man showed up, working day in and day out, and um, he a two-time natty champ, man. You know, and it's written in stone. So um, that's all I'm going to say. And I said earlier, she laughed. She just understand that what I didn't mean. Devin, I love you, baby. In 7-7, seven, seven, you live it forever. You know, do it for Dale. That's what I tell them boys at Georgia. You lost a brother. Do it for Dale. I'm sorry to get emotional, man. I'm the juice guy, man. Y'all good. But um, <laughs> this is my first time talking about it. Um, Cincinnati, 
they brought it up and I got emotional too just because I care. It's not like we don't play football. Most people think it's just a game, man. Those are my brothers that I go out there with. We eat together. We be in a locker room together. We shower together. We get in the hot tub together. So it's it's more than a game. Most people think it's just a game. But especially at Georgia, man, that connection piece real. When you sit in a school session with somebody and learn their life story, you would give them an extra inch. You would come pick him up during the workout. And that's what we do at Georgia, you know? Any kid that goes there, if they call me or ask me for anything, they know folk, folk always going to be there. That's what I tell them. Come lean on folk. Man, I'm country, and all I can say is I'm caught strong. I don't look like it, but, I, man, I'm at the point of attack. I like to get after it, and, you know, I play like my hair on fire. So, you know, most people be like, you know, you're not strong. Like I told Quaid, when after workouts in the South Georgia, I used to go move hay bales. So after I lived ways, I used to go help move hay bales, and Quay used to go throw watermelons on the back of a truck after workouts, after we run. So that's the one thing that we just do in the South. You know, you know there's a lot of comparisons uh, to Vaughn Miller. When you hear stuff like that, especially Vaughn Miller, what are your thoughts? Man, I wish I could just work with him, you know, and I'm, I'm not one of those people that is just saying it. Like, I heard that after every time he he does a team drill, either six plays, he runs a gas. I just finished, I just found that out. I told him every day that he ran a gas, I'll run a gas or two with it. And I'm going to do that for the rest of my life if it takes to be a Hall of Fame. If it takes me to get 10 sacks and move like him, whatever he's doing, I want to do. Do you know Bills? Uh, yes, I met with the Bills. Um, but but you, since the competition extend to a guy like Will Anderson, and what are you thinking? Man, he's a great player. I would never know nobody game. Um, he is the competition, but, you know, we all pass rushes, and we all learn from each other. It's not competition, man, you know. Um, I wish, you know, we would talk a little bit more when he was at Bama, but it really, you know, different schedules, different times and stuff like that. But um, we all sit down as pass rushers and talk. You know, in the NFL now, if you get two pass rushers on the same team, it, you can be dangerous. Nolan, have you spoke with the Steelers in any sense? And what do you think about Mike Tomlin from the outside? Man, I, I did spoke to the Steelers, and that's one of my coaches that I watched growing up, and he impacted my life just as a game, as a young kid. Um, I, I told him that. When I when I first met him, he probably thought I was a fanboy, but I was going to be honest. In all my interviews, I was honest in myself. And um, him and Coach Reeds, I just... You know, I watched him, man, Coach Reed, what he did on offense at Philly, what he did, and and what he's doing with the Chiefs now. He's affected the game. Those people infected our game, and you just have to tell them that. You just can't walk in, oh, yes, sir, this, that. They're coaches. You know, they're people, too. And um, I just want to let them know how much they affected my life just as a football player. No, you had the Kirby on the microphone story for us. We hear so much about him picking different guys up. You were one of his favorite players. I never heard him dog you, but what what is it like dealing with that microphone and Kirby every day? What does it do for them? Oh, Mike always going to be hot. That's one thing about it. If you not... If you ever walk at Georgia, he's going to yell at you. I promise you. I don't care who you are. And if you don't know where you're going, you better jog in place or it better look like a fast walk. You better be heel-toeing, heel-toeing like this <laughs> or head on a swivel. But I don't got no funny stories. I wouldn't do my head coach like that. Um, I love him to death. Um, and he's just a great guy. And he pushes kids every day to be themselves and be better. And just because you a first round or you projected top 10, you're going to come in there and he's going to coach you every day. And that's what everyone should want. Most guys don't want to be coached. Most guys don't want to be talked about and, and be like, no, man, don't talk don't talk to me all like type of way like that. And, you know, Coach Smart's going to do it. Have you had an opportunity? Are we already talking about the game? Are you planning on doing any of the on-field drills or you say that? 
No, I'm gonna do on the on drill, on field drills here, and I'm gonna do some at the pro day. You know, um, I play football. That's what I'm here, man. I haven't done anything in a long time. I can't wait to showcase my talents. You know, everyone thought I died and all this stuff. I turned off the mock draft. I turned off my phone. I picked up a book. Um, you can't hurt me. And I just wanted to create an iron mind, a, a mindset that no one can hurt me. No matter what you say about me, I'm gonna just work. No one. You ain't just the pattern you're getting oh uh, that's really it man that's what that's who i watched as a kid man and he also affected the game he made pass rushers think that we can be something else we can affect the game by getting to the quarterback and not only getting a sack but getting the ball out see what he did in the super bowl and all those other years that he played i just watched vaughn khalil mack is a great there's a lot of great pass rushers but i really watched khalil mack and vaughn and that's really about it have you had an opportunity to talk to the raiders and your former teammate zamir white's there as well yeah zamir white man he he one of my guys. We one of the country boys together. So when I went out to um, L.A., I rode horses. Yeah. And um, Zamir owned a lot of horses, and I wanted to go ride with him in North Carolina. But that's my guy. You know, I tell people, man, when you win a national championship together, you will ever be locked in, and you will ever be tied in together with each other. You mentioned that this. You mentioned the most significant thing that you learned about yourself, about the game, with your experience of this season helping out while being in. Yeah, uh, I, what I learned about myself is I want to be a coach and affect kids' lives in a positive way. I may start off in high school, I want to start off small so I can actually affect kids. You know, a lot of people say that and they don't really do it. And I think high school level is where you can um, affect them. And what I learned about myself is, you know, no matter what, adversity, you got to push through. And, you know, like I was telling people, I wasn't going to give up on myself. I wasn't going to give up on the team. I was going to do everything that I can to just be with them. And I was a glorified GA, and it was the best GA job ever. So there he is, uh, and man, that was some good stuff, right? I mean, you want to talk about some energy? Nolan Smith, Georgia defensive lineman, his deal was his short, his season ended short because of the pec injury. But uh, man, you talk about—he said he's the juice man. He brings the energy, and you heard it right there. And when he got emotional, and I should have said this before we played the audio, when he got emotional is when he was asked about uh, his for, his former teammate, Georgia lineman Devin Willick, who who lost his life in that uh, car accident that we talked about at the beginning of the show because of Jalen Carter. Not he didn't lose his life because of. Jalen right. Carter, but uh, that's how the conversation came up. Was uh, and this was before, and so you know, I, right before it was right before we we heard from him, and then all of a sudden the news about Jalen Carter uh, being involved in some capacity in that whole situation uh, came out after that. And so then I started thinking back to what Nolan had to say on the on the podium and how quickly he got emotional. Yeah. And so it's just I, I don't know I don't know the details. Right. I don't know you know. What he knew, what he didn't know. I mean, he he mentioned he never, after they won the national championship, he stayed out in L.A. He never right. went back. So I don't know what he knows, but I'm sure that he probably yeah. heard something or some right. rumblings of, of some things that went down uh, that night, and, and you can see how much it affected him. Yeah, and I'll move into a lighter note. Yeah. The fact that <laughs> how did it go from you asked him about the Raiders, meeting with the Raiders and Zamir White to riding horses in L.A. <laughs> like, man, I'll tell you what, man. It made sense somehow. It made, it did make sense. And the funny thing about it is, and I, that's why I didn't even press him when he never really answered the question about the Raiders. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let him have it, <laughs> yeah. man. Because I remember the very first time I talked to Zamir White in the locker room, and you know, I asked him about you know what kind of drives him, how much he loves football. And he was telling me that that's what he loves is football, but he's all – 
football and my horses. Right. And he, he had told me at the time he owned two, and it sounded like he owned more than that. Right. He said he owns a bunch of horses. So uh, I know that Zamir, is a, it, it, he's a country boy too, for sure. Uh, but And that's the one thing that he always would talk about was his horses. So You know, and uh, that's one of the great things about professional sports. I always kind of equated, especially when there's so many dudes in, right. in, in football, uh, 53 guys, and when you act, you know add the practice squad and all that, you're talking about you know 70 guys, uh, pretty much uh, on a, in any given locker room, and you get the cross section of everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you get the guy from New York, you get the guy from Georgia, you get. Right. The, I remember talking to Jonathan Abram going a little bit back for the Raiders. Talking about hunting and fishing, yeah, yeah. you know, like uh, you know, riding his pickup truck in in Mississippi, like like you 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 realize that everybody comes from a different place, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, we all are basically the same, but everybody's background is a little bit different. So Zamir White and Nolan riding horses in L.A. I got to see pictures of that. Man, and yeah, he's uh, like I said, he, he he's he was a he was a funny guy to listen to. Yeah. He was also an emotional guy. He he brought the energy, and I mean, those are the kind of guys you need in your locker room too. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be a fit with the Raiders, but he's a guy that I think in somebody's locker room is going to do some good things. That's exactly what I was thinking about when I was listening to him. Is like this guy wherever he goes, right? Uh, is going to resonate really well in his locker room. You know, of course, it all is predicated, uh, and you know this cue. Are you performing first? And right, foremost? of course. Right. If, yeah. if you got the, if you're backing it up with performance, yep. and then bringing that kind of energy um, and and that kind of love, really, yep. you could tell that he's a guy that galvanizes guys um, and brings people together, and it feels like he makes himself available to his teammates. You know, you got some something going on. Come lean on me, man. Uh, I'm here for you. Right. And 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 when you couple that with great performance, you get a great teammate and somebody that somebody that other people respect. No doubt. No doubt. We want to hear from you, Raider Nation. I know we haven't got the main call or text on to the show, but we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. It is very cold in here, man. I can't even concentrate. Our don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. To start turning things around, how many starters do you think needs to come out of this year's draft? Let us know about it. It's Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. NFL Network's Cynthia Freeland will join us at the top of the hour to talk all things scouting combine. She's always great to catch up with. Had an opportunity to cut up with her in L.A. at the Super Bowl a couple uh, a couple Super Bowls ago, and it was like a 17, 18 minute interview. It was fantastic. It was great, and it was you know how we do. We always stack up the interviews yeah. and and work real hard to record as many as possible before the show starts. And uh, it was I recorded it on uh, this little whatever memory card and when we went to pull the audio it was a corrupted file so we never got to play the file there always happens every year there's always one interview that does not make the cut and it's always something that goes wrong but she'll join us at the top of the hour right now join us on the phone lines our guy hardcore raider welcome to the show what's on your mind dude thank you how's it going man good fantastic but i'm cold but i'm good it's doing good (laughs) sorry to hear that Hey, so, uh, yeah, I want to talk about some combine players. Sorry, I'm making it quick. I want to talk about the QB position and a couple, like, uh, players maybe in the mid-round. So, first of all, my, my guy, I'm just going to be honest, is uh, Hinn and Hooker. I mean, okay. he's got the size. Uh, if you look at his stats, you know, the first two years he played for, with uh, Virginia Tech and then Tennessee. But if you look at 2022, two interceptions, three interceptions mm-hmm. the year before, and then five interceptions. I know it wasn't a full year last year. You look at his rushing yards, 430 this year. Uh, the previous year, 620, and then the previous year before that, 620. So the dude can run. 
Yep. If you look at his footwork and his arm talent, I think he's the best quarterback in this draft. Now, I know he's hurt, but, you know, I think with, uh, like, how things are with doctors and physical training, I think he can get, he can get back healthy, you know. So, uh, a lot of people are sleeping on him, and it blows my mind. So, like, my goal is to look for players that aren't as hyped up because everybody, you know, locks in the first-round guys, and then it seems like, you know, sometimes second round, but then after that, it's just like a big miss. And I, I don't think Hinton Hooker is going to go past the first round. If you look at the teams yeah. that are going to be drafting uh, right after the Raiders, like I think we could trade back a little bit. But you got like Falcons, Panthers, Jets, uh, the Commanders, uh, Seahawks have a second pick at uh, 20, and then the Saints at 29. I don't think Hooker's going past, I'd say, the middle of the first round. So like if we could trade back, get some draft picks, and get Hooker, I think it's worth a shot, and I think he is the best quarterback in this draft. Now, the uh, key players that I'm looking at as far as, like, uh, that a lot of people maybe aren't paying attention to, linebackers uh, from Alabama, Henry Tooto, and then DeMarvio Overshone. I want to see what those guys produce. Edge rushers, uh, and, the, and those are second, third-round guys probably. Uh, edge rushers, I want to see Derek Hall from Auburn, and then Zach Harrison from Ohio State. Those are probably third, fourth-round guys. And cornerback, I'm just going to point out one. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson, uh, cornerback out of Miami. So any uh, extra footage or if you guys get an interview any of those guys, I would love it. But uh, just keep up the great work and uh, excited to see what these guys produce at the Combine. Thank, hey, thanks for the call, Hardcore. Appreciate you. Yeah, Tioto and uh, Overshone, we actually got to hear from earlier today right. uh, as they were on the podium. So we, we'll try to squeeze that in before the show's over. And as far as Hendon Hooker goes, I, I like Hendon Hooker a lot as well. And I thought he was going to be a later round pick, but it does seem like, like Hardcore said, that he probably will go in the first round. And, you know, coming off the ACL, it might not be a bad idea anyway to have the opportunity to get a fifth-year option on him. Yeah, um, what are your thoughts? You're a little, you're a little hesitant, Vinny. What's your thoughts? In the first round, I am. Okay. I'm still a little, that's fine. I'm still a little, uh, but that's not a bad thing necessarily. Right. And I think that uh, if you're the Raiders and and you know you wait into the second round mm-hmm. uh, to to draft him, um, you know, and and a lot of the reasons that he's going to drop is probably because of the injury, right? You know, so um, you might you might get a a great value pick. I get a little concerned. Just because of the system that he came from, Josh Heupel's system, it's it's literally like C spot go, right? right? And that and that's not me trying to sound disrespectful. It's just literally like, okay, this is going right here. This is going right here. It's 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 paint by numbers, right? Exactly. And again, that's no discredit to him. It's just the system that he played in. I dealt with it for years when I covered Baylor, and that's how you know that's how our Browse system was. It was very just boom, boom, boom to the point where wide receivers sometimes wouldn't even take off in their own route. Right. I was not coming my way this way. Yeah, um, and that's where, and we talked to uh, Dave Ziegler about this yesterday, yep. kind of deciphering that yeah. and working your way through. Uh, because he, he, he did point out plenty of examples of quarterbacks that played in similar systems yep. that did and were able to make the transition to the NFL. Uh, and here's the thing. I was talking about this on the morning show. Um, you got to understand that sometimes these offenses in college, you only get college kids, what, 20? Two hours, I think it is yeah. per week. Right, that includes your practices, your meetings, you know, uh, everything, all your therapy, all that kind of stuff. So you gotta, with the time that you have, you gotta make it work. All yep. right, and sometimes that's why we see the kind of offenses that we see in college football. It's not the NFL, but once you do get to the NFL, now it's twenty four seven. Right, and so the the task and the challenge for Josh uh, McDaniel's and Dave Ziegler is to figure out, okay. Guys that played in that kind of an offense, let, let's say a Hunnan Hooker, um, can it translate? Now, when we go 24-7 and put a more complicated offense in or an NFL offense, is he going to be able to you know, pick it up? Right. I, just hearing him and 
knowing what the little that I know of him and, and hearing other people talk about him, I think he's got a good chance to do that. I think he's a great kid that just mm-hmm. happened to play in that kind of system. Right. But that doesn't mean that he can't pick up something exactly. um, you know, when he gets to the NFL on 24-7. And that's why I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to knock him for no. the system he played in. But that's that's going to be a question exactly. that NFL teams will have. Coming up next, Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network. She'll join the show, talk all things Scott and Combine. As we're here in Indy, thanks to Boyd's Gaming, we definitely appreciate them. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Our coverage of the 2023 Scouting Combine in Indianapolis is brought to you by Boyd Gaming, the official locals casinos of the Las Vegas Raiders.